Um, so at any point, if any brewery needs something, they can call me and I have, you know, two to three people on speed dial that I can refer them to. Welcome to It Starts With Beer. I'm your host, Will Sis. Retail in the U.S. is in the midst of an historic slowdown and breweries are right in the mix. My guest today is someone who routinely works with Connecticut brewers to maximize their potential as the executive director of the Connecticut Brewers Guild, a nonprofit industry advocacy group. Phil Pappas previously worked to raise money with the Muscular Dystrophy Association and in 2016 joined the Connecticut Brewers Guild, where he's helped build it up to be a more aggressive organization that now lobbies in Hartford to work towards laws that benefit the growing Connecticut beer scene, which has gone from about 43, four years ago to 112 now by Phil's count. So we talked about his trade organization's support for Governor Ned Lamont's recently issued executive orders and as that the one that's allowed breweries to deliver, which is the main one. And um, now breweries can access small business administration loans uh, during these trying times, and we're going to be talking about that as well. Is Phil confident that we'll pull through? Well, let's listen. Now, how did you get the skill set that you have to be able to run an organization like this? Basically, when I was working for the Muscular Dystrophy, I was putting on different fundraising events and events that raise money for the uh, families and people affected in Connecticut by neuromuscular disease. So I really worked with a lot of our uh, businesses and allied trade and all these different companies and did a lot of business development and really pushed the mission of that organization. So those kind of ideals and those skills have completely transferred over into my role in the guild by being able to build connections with whether it's allied trade, like our wholesalers or our distributors, package stores, bars and restaurants working with those associations that work obviously in conjunction with all of our breweries, but working with, you know, bulk CO2, uh, you know, contractors, electricians. Um, so at any point, if any brewery needs something, they can call me and I have, you know, two to three people on speed dial that I can refer them to. Um, so it's just working with a lot of businesses. And then, of course, pushing the mission of Connecticut craft beer. What is it? Why, why should people drink it? Why should they spend the extra dollar on it? Um, why should they buy it over macro brands, kind of pushing the whole mission of buying local, supporting local, um, drinking local, and obviously pushing all of the beer and social media wise of how great this industry is and the beer that comes along with that. So it's just more of that mission driven um, communication that you have. And the idea is uh, that at any brewery that opens up, they need to join the guild or do they are they automatically yeah. in? They need to pay uh, something, no. right? Yeah, it's annual dues, and it's not much. It's only a couple hundred bucks um, a year for them to join. Um, and the benefits that they get out of that are, are, are far worth their, their investment in our membership. So obviously with all the lobbying that we do at the Capitol, that uh, you know, changes all the Connecticut liquor laws. So last year we passed a 75-page bill. Uh, which was about a year, year and a half uh, times worth for myself and the guild um, that we invested and in, really worked with a lot of our legislators and representatives across the state to pass that bill, um, overwhelmingly uh, to speak to that. So we passed the bill 
um, that include the most significant changes to liquor laws since prohibition. So um, we, cha- we changed a lot of laws. Most importantly for the consumer was raising the limits on direct-to-consumer sales. So we increased the limits from nine liters to nine gallons. So you and I, when we go to breweries before, we can only buy 19 of the 16-ounce cans, which wasn't even a full case. Um, And now we're able to buy directly up to three cases of beer. Thank God we passed that law last year um, because it would be very, very hard in today's, you know, what's currently going on um, in today's world uh, with people staying home. And if they were only able to buy 19 cans, you know, directly Mm -hmm. from the brewery. You know, and they know that the people are trying to encourage people to stay home, stay safe. And if they could only buy that limited amount and the breweries are in dire need of that revenue right now to be able to stay afloat. And if they weren't able to, then they're losing sales again and would probably, you know, we're trying to weather the storm. And if we still have those limits, we still have limits, which is just ridiculous in the first place. But um it's a lot higher now, so it's at least you know somewhat accommodating. So you bring up the 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 big issue that everybody in the world is dealing with, but particularly in the United States, that the fact that we really mm-hmm. need to stay at home. Um, a lot of breweries yeah. is going to hurt, and uh, it's, yeah. it's it's beyond the I would think the capability of a lot of small breweries, especially ones that just there's this you know big surge. Over the last summer, spring, and winter, new breweries, yeah. they can't have a lot of stock on hand. Um, and I'm, I'm afraid that, that a lot of them are going to have to go under or go into hibernation. What can something like the Guild do to, to help? Yeah, so one of the biggest things that we were pushing since all of this kind of started happening was our first, obviously, was just to remain open for beer to go, you know, to remain open as a retailer. And so we luckily in the executive orders with bars and restaurants um, that had to close as well, they were staying open, package stores were staying open. So we were able to stay open as well, thankfully. Um, But with that, so we said that um, one of our biggest pushes was going to be home delivery. Um, So especially while we're trying to encourage everyone to stay home and stay safe, um, let us bring the beer to you. You know, like you that you stay home, we're in, we're, you know, isolating ourselves in the breweries, you know, let us be able to bring it to consumers directly to their house. So we pushed that and it did take a little bit over a week um, to get that officially in the executive order, but we did get that done, which is great. And I think that that would definitely encourage people to stay home and say, Hey, you know what? Like we can definitely take care of you. You know, we'll be able to be the ones to bring the beer to you, um, you know, so stay home. So we pushed that. Um, the Guild also worked with the Brewers Association, um, DECD, and uh, the SBA. Um, so there were there are a couple of loan different programs, and they differ um, based on what they can provide. But the SBA is a really great program. It's uh, you know up to two million dollars over thirty years at a three point seven five percent APR. Um, you know, with the SBA, I worked with the local rep here in the Northeast to get that language ahead. As soon as it was available, I got that in all of the breweries hands um, so that they can apply for it and uh, keeping them up to date with all the resources that are out there right now. So DECD with David Lehman um, talked with him and uh, got the, uh, you know, the state of Connecticut um, updated from 25 million to up to $50 million available um, and seventy-five thousand um, dollar loans over eighteen months. So, 
you know, especially for like to your point before, a lot of the the newer breweries who just spent all this money on the overhead to get open now are a little halted by on-premise sales, which is very vital to the success of these breweries. And they're they're kind of you know questioning you know what they should do from here and should they take out another loan. And so we worked with um, SB Standard, um, who provided some cash flow metrics and some algorithms for a lot of these breweries to just input their information. And what it will do is it takes your average sales over 12 months, how much cash you have on hand, any revenue that you have coming in through distribution or self-distribution or to go, and just kind of predict um, worst-case scenario average and then best-case scenario. Um, Just so it's working with them and obviously with local bankers as well um, to provide any and all loans um, to weather the storm so that they can, you know, remain open. Um, What what does it look like um, when you say, you know, we got this passed? um, I don't, I kind of picture you, uh, uh, you know, grabbing them by the collar in the halls of, you know, of the legislature and and whispering into their ear like a lobbyist. But I don't know if that's really how it works. Do you, do you work with individual um, politicians? When you say, oh, we push this through, what does that look like? Yeah, so uh, the process really looks like, I mean, you have to definitely do a lot of business, uh, a lot of uh, relationship building um, with all of the, the rep, uh, representatives and state legislators uh, to really get them. And well, the best way to do that is to really bring them to the brewery, Absolutely. have them see it. So um, especially with uh, Governor Lamont, when we actually passed the bill before that, on his campaign trail even, he was going to Tribus and a lot of different other breweries across the state to see what it looks like, because this was a very booming industry in the state of Connecticut and still is. So I know Governor Lamont, even from Governor Lamont, and then that trickle-down effect with a lot of your local reps. Uh, it's, I'm sure you're tapped into the way other states are doing this as well. How does uh, Connecticut rate in terms of um, it, you know the surge of breweries? Uh, what sets Connecticut apart from even its closest neighbors? Yeah, so we are still um, one of the small, we're, we're medium right now. I think we rank 25th or 26th in every category from breweries per capita, which is the amount of breweries there are for 100,000, 21 plus adults. Um, so we only have 3.2 breweries. Uh, so a lot of people, and I'm not sure if this is a question you have for me, but um, about a bubble, you know, or any sort of market cap, and we're still far away from that. So we rank 25th in how many breweries there are for 100,000 people. Um, Vermont has the most. They have 13 and a half breweries for 100,000 people. And we have wow. 3.2. So we're very, that puts very... in perspective. Yeah. Now, well, one of the uh, key elements that you guys provide, uh, it sounds... Uh, you've got all these contacts uh, when when people are getting started uh, or if they need supplies, that kind of thing. What are some of the key mistakes that breweries make that you're able to help write? Um, I wouldn't so much to say mistakes as in more just learning curve. Um, okay. and, and a few of that is is more of with recipes, it's just scaling. Um, obviously right out the gate. Um, and it just depends on where, what type of industry you were involved in before. So we really have seen breweries in the state come from one of three categories. So either they're a home brewer, you know, and they, they've, they've gotten kicked out of their basement or garage by their significant other. Um, they're in industry. So they were either assistant brewers or just 
sales sales reps um, for other breweries, and then we see the investor, the entrepreneur, you know that that um, mm. sees this as a huge business opportunity and goes and finds a brewer, you know, and things like that. So we've been seeing a lot of these people come from all these different areas, whether it's CPAs, teachers, you know, all these different industries across the state, and now they're brewing on these very commercial systems. Um, so yeah, they're going zero to 60, a lot of, them. yeah. And it's a very different scale. It's a very different brewing process when you're doing your home brew. So that's where sure. we, we really provide, especially as a community, as an industry, it is so humbling and so great to take a step back from and witness, um, because we have socials and meetings and what happens all the time is everybody sticks around after and is talking. And yes, we are competitors and we're competing, but we're all friends. Like we're all friends and we're this huge big family that is just really awesome to see because everybody's then talking to everybody saying, Oh, I saw you did this beer. Like, that's awesome. Like what you do. And they have no problem. Like they're talking like recipes and like how sure, they there's no it. secrets. Right. And I'm like, I'm sitting there and I'm like, they could just run away. Like you just brewed and it sold out in a weekend. They can just do, you know what I mean? Like, you don't see that in other industries. You don't see that in like the stock world. Like, oh, I just bought this stock. Like, this is what I did. I'm like, you don't, nobody talks about that. A lot of the breweries, especially because of the rapid growth rate that we've seen in, in very short amount of time, um, a lot of the breweries are really jumping to, you know, be on the taps and be on the shelves in the package stores and have a distribution channel and also have a sales rep and a custom van and participate in every single beer festival that happens in the state. And for a first year business, that's very, very hard to do. Sure. Very hard to do everything all at once, but you have this kind of rush to market, uh, you know, uh, a little bit of that atmosphere going on right now. So even though there's a lot of breweries opening, you need to be smart. I have found that the breweries that grow organically over time as home brewers and then giving their stuff away at at uh, uh, brew fests and then yeah. slowly building up that base, even the ones that, you know, I thought this was, I'll admit, corny. You know, the idea that, oh, we're going to, we created a Kickstarter, so help us. You know, we don't have any money, so give us money and we'll make a beer that you've never had. Yeah. Well. I'm an idiot because the ones that did suddenly they got people lined up on their very first day because yeah. these guys are going, I believed in you and now I'm here. And I'm like, right. well, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. yeah you don't see right. that as much. You don't see that as much, but I think that, 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 that was one of those, um, the steps along the way that got us to where we are. Yeah. Now your presence, your presence on uh, Instagram is, uh, impressive. Um, you've been doing the, um, the, this kind of a virtual happy hour. Is that, that's your organization? Yep. Yeah. So, uh, so I know that we've been doing a few with, uh, a couple different, uh, uh, employees around the state. I know Kevin Mardoff, um, from CT beer and, uh, his wife are doing a lot of virtual happy hours as well. So it's, it's, it's just great to see that, uh, across the state and across industry of people just kind of keeping up to date with their favorite bartender or you know uh somebody that they're used to seeing at once a week and you know a lot of people are kind of missing that that tap room experience right now so 
I'm happy to see a lot of different people doing virtual happy hours and just trying to get together. I mean, I, I don't know about you, but I've been, you know, all my friends and family are like, hey, let's have a, you know, a happy hour together and let's video chat. My thanks to Phil Pappas. You should be going to Connecticut.beer if you haven't already to see more about what the Guild is up to and learn more about Connecticut breweries and get the beer trail information and more. So thanks for listening. Stay in touch by shooting an email to beer.snob at yahoo.com. Say hi on Twitter or Instagram. I'm at beersnobrights.com. Subscribe on Spotify or Stitcher. Till next time, sip well. <laughs>